that it would be like it was like four generations right that you were the the sins of the father to the to the son to the second to the third to the fourth gen it's like four generations in one family that yep. it would affect by the one sin that you did and as i was contemplating about that guy in the car accident i thought did he realize how many lives he was going to affect by slamming on the brakes Welcome to the Kingdom Misfits Podcast, where we talk about biblical topics and culture through the lens of Scripture. Our goal is to deepen our understanding of God's Word through wrestling with Scripture and renewing our minds. What's going on, everybody? Thank you for tapping in. We're the Kingdom Misfits. I'm David. I'm Michael V. And we're glad to have you with us today for another awesome episode. So, Mike, before we dive into the to the episode, um, last month we had the opportunity to see that movie, Nefarious. Yes. And it is still on my mind. And I wanted us to have a little chat about that because not very often do I go to the movies, I watch a movie and I walk out and the movie's still on my mind and it takes me a minute to process what the heck I just watched. What were your thoughts on the movie? Man, I thought for sure it was um it was definitely I feel like it's all information that every believer has. Just nobody really puts it all together the way that movie did. It's almost like um, recreate, reinventing what you already know, but uh, it's putting it in a, I guess, in such a sense that it overwhelms your thinking and understanding what the, I guess, the uh, kingdom of darkness is doing to humanity. I guess how they are affecting us and they're uh, getting into our heads and getting into our minds. Yeah. It wasn't a scary movie. No. You know what I mean? But it, right. but it was disturbing just to think about like that is what spiritual warfare looks like without all the Hollywood theatrics as part of it. Right. There wasn't any uh face uh changing, head uh, spinning around, throwing up. Yeah, green pea jump soup. scares. Yep. Yeah, there was nothing nothing like that. At the same time, it opens you up to the way they did it is so thoughtful and and then just to think of it's mostly just two guys in one room mm-hmm. talking to each other and you're like, huh, that's just like continuously talking. You wouldn't you wouldn't you would think that it was boring. Like I don't think that I could make a conversation between two people last for two as a probably two what hours. Do, what do you mean? We do that on our podcast, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just I don't know, it just had me fascinated for sure. Without giving too much away for those who have not seen it, what stood out to you in the movie that just had your mind blown? The way he said that we start when you're around three years old, getting you to steal a candy bar or something, and then go in when you're like eight. It's like a series of decisions you make um, where after you, I don't know how many, after how many, so many decisions you've made, you've basically gave them right to have uh, access to your life and basically jump into your body. Yeah, of course, we didn't really give an overview of what Nefarious was. But basically, it's a movie where it's like on the day of its scheduled execution, 
there's a convicted serial killer and he tells a psychiatrist, an atheist psychiatrist, that he has he's a demon who can possess his body. And the psychiatrist goes in and is trying to evaluate him whether he's crazy or not. Um, so he also tells the doctor that he's soon going to commit three murders. He tells that psychiatrist he's going to commit three mur- murders. Spoiler alert! Yep, yes. yep. <laughs> and so that's what the that's what the that's what the premise of the movie was. Right. And then it took place where these two guys are just having this. What would you call it? It's like a, a dialogue. Like, it's a dialogue, but it's like verbal chess. Yeah. Between the two. Sure. And the part that got me uh, was was the part with the priest. Mm. So without giving too much away. There's this part where this priest comes in into the conversation and the demon sees the priest and like, this is a man, you know, like it's a man of God. He should be freaking out. Right. But then he saw that the priest did not believe in the demonic and he just, he, he caught his composure. The demon caught his composure. Right. It was like this guy his, from the at kingdom. At first his no feathers threat. were ruffled. Yeah. And then he, and then when he realized, oh, this, this guy's no threat to me whatsoever. How crazy is that? You can be a man of the cloth. Sure. And still not have the power of the gospel within you. And at least not enough to, to shake up some demons in this movie anyways. But all right, so let's get on to talk about what the show is going to be about. Sin can have a profound impact on our lives, affecting our relationships, our mental and physical health, and our spiritual well-being. It can start small and grow over time, becoming more and more destructive if left unchecked. As Christians, it's important to recognize the ways in which sin can manifest in our lives and take steps to address it. This may involve seeking support from a trusted community or mentor, practicing self-reflection and prayer, and actively working to resist the temptation of sin that comes into our lives. And in this episode, We're going to explore the progression of sin in our lives and how we can combat its negative effects. The Bible teaches in Romans 5, 12, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all have sinned. All humans are born with a sinful nature inherited from Adam and Eve. The first humans who disobeyed God's command and brought sin and death into the world as we know it. However, sin preceded Adam and Eve and originated, as far as we know, from the father of lies, the deceiver, the Satan, who first tempted Adam and Eve into disobeying God. Let me ask you this. Would you agree that sin preceded Adam and Eve with that statement? Do you believe that it existed before that? Because there's a serpent there, and the serpent is, most people will know the serpent as the devil. Sure. But I believe the Bible just says serpent. Yeah, but it calls him in Revelations that serpent of the 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 dragon, the serpent of old. Ah, there we go. So that is what I was talking about, Satan. But um, I think that's Revelations twelve. You know what I always find um, amazing is if you read uh the two places where uh God is comparing the kings, these uh evil kings, to Satan. I think it's uh, Isaiah chapter fourteen and Ezekiel chapter twenty eight. One, he's like the the king of Tyre, and uh, the other one, he's like the king of Babylon. And it's like when you read in Scripture the judgment, like the harshness that's coming out of him, it's like you could almost feel the pain that he has for, I mean, one of his creations that turned on him. And you could feel the pain in that. Like he, it's like almost like a crying out for 
like I how like how could you have done that to me? You know, like how how could this how could you have let that happen to you? Mm. You know, like you messed up the harmony of everything. Everything was in harmony until this iniquity was found in you, and all of a sudden disharmony happened. Um, the Bible does say in uh, Romans five that sin entered the world and death through sin. So I I definitely believe it was the serpent. Um, that and in Genesis chapter three that brought that brought the sin, um, I guess. But it wasn't until the Bible says that mankind sinned that that's how it entered into the world. Let's talk that through because sure. this, this this has been on my mind. The serpent was crafty and convinced Adam and Eve that they can be like God, like them, if eating from the fruit of the tree. So he basically manipulated them into, or should I say, the serpent tapped into the desire for them to be like God, which I think is kind of the age-old battle that we've been dealing with since the fall in the garden. Would you agree with that? Sure. I, I think he made him made them think that they were missing out on something. He created the, the, he created the argument of a straw man, I guess, and uh -huh. then knocked it down. Right, so he 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 let them know that that they they should know they should be like God, knowing both good and evil. Because up to that point, all they knew was good. I think he was trying to get lure them into thinking that they they were missing out on something instead of they were just uh, they had in all they need divine they bliss. Yeah. yeah, well said, well said. All right, so we're gonna transition over to our first topic. This is gonna be rooted in Genesis chapter four, verses four through seven. We want to talk about the story of Cain and Abel as we start having this discussion around sin and its progression downward. So in Genesis 4, 7, it says, And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, and this is important, why are you angry and why has your face fallen? If you do well, you will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. And Mike, that sets the premise for what we're going to talk about today. Sure. It's like a fight or a battle. So whoever you relinquish... If you ever relinquish control, it's going to dominate you. So I feel like that it, it's uh, guarding yourself, guarding your heart, um, guarding your mind, guarding your thinking, guarding the way you talk, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you ever let your guard down and it's it's trying to come in. It is. And, and it's all about that spiritual warfare. And also to note is that in the Bible, this is the first time where we see the word sin mentioned. Mm. is in the Cain and Abel story. Before we dive into like dissecting what sin is, let's talk about the, the precursor to sin, mm. and that's temptation. Amen. And good old Wikipedia describes temptation as a desire to engage in short-term urges for enjoyment that threatens long-term goals. Or in the context of some religions, temptation is the inclination to sin. 
Temptation also describes the inducing a person into committing such an act by manipulation or otherwise curiosity, desire, or fear, or loss of something important to a person. Now, temptation in and of itself is not a sin. It's when we give into temptation that it does become a sin. And we find that in James chapter 1, um, verse 12, it says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But I want to highlight this part, this verse. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings death. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. So I listened to this guy, uh, David Deacon Hernandez, a lot. He has some good, yeah, I feel like he has a lot of good word. And um, I once heard him talk about that temptation doesn't happen, I guess, the, the moment that the act is presented to you. It, it it it's it starts off a week or two or a month or it could be a year ahead of time it's what you subject your mind to and what basically it's a whole bunch of series of decisions that you're you you think about that you would think about or think about giving into it's uh how many times would you say yes to it and then once the the sin gets in front of you then um, if you've lost the battle, it's because the temptation didn't start as soon as it, it got before your face. It got into your head sometime way before that. And it's like well, whatever you let to get into you, it, it came in to dominate. So. Mm -hmm. I feel like sometimes we meditate on those temptations. It wouldn't be called a temptation if it wasn't something that you already desired. Sure. I think this is classical um, fall of, I guess heavenly beings i guess i would say somehow you think you're missing out somehow you think that what you have is not enough and so in your head you start fantasizing about you know what would it be like i'm sure satan thought to himself what what is that worship of god why is god the only one who needs worshiped why can't i can i get a little piece of that or like look how good look how good i look like why should he be the only one getting worshiped and i think that's all it takes right that's when iniquity is found in in somebody man when 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 they just take that they they perceive what they're missing and they feel like okay that's what i need i feel like that's what happened in the garden with adam and eve they thought to themselves they needed to be like God with the, having the both knowledge of good and evil. So I feel like Satan used that to make them think that they didn't have enough going on for themselves. That this uh, appeals better, right? And then the and then he gave them the perspective. He told Eve about the fruit. He how you know how many times did she walk by that tree and notice that fruit? But now the perspective he gave her of that fruit. This, this is going to happen from when you take of this fruit. And, and it kind of changed the way she looked at the fruit. She might have walked by it a thousand times and never noticed. But now that this enemy is coming and presenting it to her, that it has knowledge of good and evil. And it makes you just like God. I guess she never realized to herself she was already like God. You know, so he made her think that there was something missing in her. And yeah. so, yeah. So when that kicked in, 
that's when she was like, well, maybe I should get some of that. You know, whatever is missing, maybe the uh, maybe he's right. You know, I'm I'm missing something. Let me let me see what it has to offer. She had no idea. It doesn't. It, the Bible doesn't say that the serpent came and talked to her all the time. So um, maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. But what, that one day that he did come, and the and the day that she fell into it, that's the day that he made her feel like what what she had wasn't enough. And I feel like whenever we think in our lives as a Christian that God is not enough for us, I mm-hmm. feel like we're vulnerable to fall into whatever. whatever type of temptation that the enemy puts before us. Yeah, I definitely agree. But I also think, like, how crafty was the serpent? Sure. You know, it's not like... I don't envision that the serpent was this this slithery monster who was, like, trying to hypnotize her. Yeah. It was somebody who probably came as a friendly voice. And in verse 4, where it says, Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. Oh, the hidden knowledge part of that. So one, eternal life. The other one is an eye opening, right? And yeah. the fruit, it was enticing. That's the temptation. It's packaged with a pretty bow in a box. Right. And we don't we want that. Like, hey, I don't want to die. Do you want to die? Mm-hmm. You see? And and so and and not only that, like you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Mm. So that's that knowledge, having that knowledge. And that's something that appeals to us as human beings. Sure. And even questioning, like questioning, did God say? Like was, And if he did say it, why did he say it? You know, we, we want Curiosity. Yeah. Curiosity killed the cat. Yeah. We all know how that story ends. Yep. Let's dial it in a little bit more. So let's take it a step further. Let's talk about three sources of temptation in our lives. For sure. And the first one let's talk about is the world. Mm. Now, the world offers a couple things that that came to my mind. And one of those is the world is very influential. Yep. I mean, there's a reason they call it entertainment, Mm -hmm. right? It enters you. Right. It's something that you see. It's an influence that, that comes upon you. You've heard of the phrase before, be like the Joneses. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a materialistic thing that tempts us from the world. It says, you are not on this level if you do not have access to these things. And what about culture in terms of the way we dress? Yeah. We all I think that's the that's a primal thing with us is that we want to belong. We want to fit into something. I don't know if you ever heard of that, Pastor Vody. Yeah, but he talks about that the enemy's airware. Like <laughs> <laughs> airware yeah as not everywhere but airware like it's like through the airwaves right oh it's, yes okay every, now i get you i was thinking like <laughs> is that like jordan's or no? <laughs> it's like every, everywhere through the air you know because it For comes sure. in through it comes in through um radio podcasts he comes in through um television movie production commercials commercials on your on your on your radio so, like, he comes in every which way you could think of through the air. So he call, he says that uh, beware because he's air airware. Airware. Nice. <laughs> I like that. Kind of like malware. Yeah. Think about it this way. If we think about how crafty Satan is, I, I liken it to, like, looking at ads. Think about these organizations in these industries. They spend billions of dollars to target you. As a matter of fact, just by you having that smartphone – these companies know your habits. They know what you're going to click. They know what you're, where you're going. They know what stores you're going to. They know you better than you know yourself. 
They've spent billions of dollars fine-tuning their craft so that way they can influence you into buying these products. So think about how much more the originator, the deceiver, knows how to tempt you. Plus, he's been around a lot longer than we have. Mm, that's crazy. A lot of times, too, it could be your zip code, where you live at, right? Mm. Where you live at is a big influencer on your life. For um, sure. So you could be Anglican, you could be full-blooded Irish, but um, say if you went to Thomas Jefferson High School in uh, Colorado, right? Um, chances are, if there was nobody else the your your same color, you would go to what you would congregate with the community around you. So, like you would you would start seeing everybody like kind of the same, and maybe they weren't your same type. They didn't have your same last name. They didn't have the same food background you your family may originated from. They but you you weren't doing kraut burgers and St. Patrick's Day and all that stuff, <laughs> right? <laughs> maybe there was collard greens and grits. You know what I mean? But what would happen was you would adapt to what your area would have and it would influence you it would in your culture your your zip code would influence you your culture your last name your family members family around you the high school you go to the, the so the neighborhood you grew up in it's all part of even the state everybody for a little while was talking about Mile high, mile high. Everybody was talking about the mile high city. And it was because everybody was all stoned, you know? And it was like mm -hmm. the nation that we were like the laughing stock of the nation because they were like, you know, high and mile high, you yep. know? That's true. That's true. So it's kind of crazy, but yeah. And not only that, where the temptation sets in is for us wanting to belong. Sure. So when you're, when it comes to zip code or whether what, entertainment or certain cultures, if you're around that and you see that your friends, your family are dressing the part, acting the part, well, you know what? You don't want to stick out like a sore thumb. So what do you do? You adopt. Sure. Even 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 if that's not you. Sure. But it's sort of like the 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 hive mindset. Yeah. Adapting to adapting it. Adapting right? to it. Yes. Yep. And and let's also talk about what the world acclimating. Does. <laughs> acclimating to the culture. Yeah. But it's also a distraction. Sure. And that's temptation as well. Absolutely. Because when you see all them shiny objects, all of the the music, all of the the lifestyles, even the social media, mm -hmm. we all get the distraction. And that's a temptation in and of itself because we want to be in the know. Sure. Yeah. I, I, I could think of myself uh, um, personally, uh, what's that, Slim Thug? Or whatever the, the mm -hmm. dirty South rapper. Yeah, so those guys from Texas, Paul Wall and all those screwed guys screwed up. Yeah, they all that chopped and screwed mm -hmm. in Houston and Dallas. Swinging area. and banging. Yeah, they got their lowriders and they got these rims that look like they're like made up from like Mad Max, man. Like they're they stick they're out spokes. like a foot. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, wow. their spokes stick out like they're gonna rip up. It is kind of dope. Yeah, they rip up the guys next to them's tires, you know, yeah. and. I don't really see that. Like, I've never seen that in Colorado, and I don't see that in Not LA. Yet. I don't see, I don't really see that, but I know in that zip code, in that area code, it's like if you don't have that going on on your car, your car ain't going on, you know? So yeah, yeah, it's, good it, point. It, it doesn't look like a, like a rolling disco, you know, with the neon and, and the all candy that stuff. Paint. Yeah, all that stuff going on. Um, you're, you're, you're probably ain't in the inn, you know, with those guys. So, 
Like I could just look at the different styles, like the way of Miami Dade. I think of the super the the cars that look the like dunks. a four wheel drive. Yeah, yep. <laughs> it looks like a four wheel drive Chevy truck or something that they they yeah, threw big on old a twenty six inch yeah, rims on there. Yeah, that they, they they threw the chassis underneath the Cutlass, you know, and you're like, huh, man, that thing's up so tall and high, and that and that that area code has that kind of going just with with automotive stuff you know that's how you could tell like hey this is where i'm from exactly and so you so the influence of where you're at right mm-hmm. and then you you go to like ethiopia africa man and then most of some people don't even have bikes and stuff you know they're 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 running around on foot or they they're they're running around with those taxis where a man's just pulling the taxi like with his arms and his legs like he's the he's the bicycle you know like yeah. In, in in China, they're they're doing it with bicycles. So it's like wherever you're from, it's it's it it's a has a hard influence on how you act. Mm-hmm. And the temptation is real. For well, sure. Let's talk about the next one because that's the flesh. Yeah. And the first one, pride. Ooh. Come on, man. There's no greater temptation than that of pride. The flesh is definitely. Um, I think it wants what it wants when it wants it. And so I think commercials like Burger King have it your way right away. That adjust that appeals to consumers good because I mean, who it, we all want to be kings of something. And sometimes I struggle to think to myself, is it because our dad runs everything and the identity from him blowing breath into a man at one point to have dominion? Right, they were given the dom- dominion mandate, and then when Noah got off the ark, right again, it's like given again. So it's like mankind was to rule, but then Jesus comes and then tells us to serve one another. That's Upside kind of, down kingdom. Yeah, it's kind of crazy, man. But but I I wonder. But we all seem to want to be. We all want to be kings of something. Like you see all these like people who put self made and king and everything on their shirts. They want to be a king of something or some kind of royalty of something. Even if it's just of their backyard, you know what I mean, or their apartment complex, or or the little walkway uh, coming to their apartment, they just want to be king of something, you know. So, but I wonder if it's not because it's like it's somehow there's a piece of it that's bred into us, part of our DNA. Yeah, to dominion. Yep, and you can tell how fleshy it is by how much we want to dominate or rule each other, you know. And I think especially here because we do live in the West. There's that big independence that uh, that us as Americans have. Mm. And and I think that kind of and because that's part of the culture, we all want to stand out. Sure. We don't want to be like everybody else. We want that independence, that that identity, um having that identity where it's like, "Hey, I'm unique or I'm special." Sure. And 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 to a certain extent like why not? But when does it become a problem? I think well, the lust of the eyes right it's like it's what you i think you can't i think boundaries are in which i want to do a future show uh-huh. heads up on boundaries because i mean think about what why do you have a, a fence in your in your yard you know keep people from coming in it. sure and even animals keep things out so yep. you you have to have a boundary so when we, we get in trouble when we just take all the boundaries out when we just want to have um I don't know if you ever seen that movie Big Daddy with uh, Adam Sandler, where he took a, a kid under his wing, his buddy's kid it's under his so wing. It's been so long since I watched that, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, but he he's pretty much, you know what? I don't make, I don't give him a dress code. I let him go to bed when he wants. I let him eat whatever he wants to eat, 
And man, he just created a monster, you yeah. know, just <laughs> no boundaries, man. And that's exactly what you could do to your flesh, man. You you crown it, right? Crown it's like playing checkers, like you're running it across the board, trying to crown it three and four times, you know. You're just always always trying to crown it over and over again, you know, like you want some kind of recognition for breathing and eating and no glory to God for anything, right? It's just all glory to ourselves. But that's that's definitely part of our nature too, because yeah. I mean, left to our own devices, we lean towards self destruction. Oh, man. I know I do. Look at like, Solomon. It's exactly. I mean, you, how many concubines does Solomon have? You give a man, a woman from every single nation. Yeah. You give a man unlimited time, unlimited resources, you know, and he'll get himself in all kinds of trouble, man, for sure. Man, that guy had some problems that uh, <laughs> that I would never want. Yeah. Then what about the sexual temptation? This one, I mean, this could be a show in its own. I, I would say as a man, we're visual creatures. Sure. For us, it's in the eyes. And when we see beautiful women and half-naked women, we're prone to look. Sure. And not only that, why is sexual sin different from the other sins? It's because- I'm going to throw that out there because I found that interesting when I started learning about that. Yeah, I think because you join yourself to whoever you're having sex with. So you pretty much take on the things that they have and they take on the things that you have. I think- um, yeah, you're sharing your fluids with somebody. It's yeah. it's an intimate act. So there's a piece of just think about it like for every woman that you've slept with the person that you're tied to has also slept with them. Sure. I don't know if I buy into all the whole soul ties thing, but I, I do believe there's something there's something different about sexual sin that makes it unlike any other. And the consequences of that. When you sin sexually the consequences are unlike any or some of the other sins this which makes it different i want to say i don't want to try to put it on a pedestal and say it's it's uh how should i say sorry i don't want to the, the crown yeah I, achievement yeah i don't want to put it on, of uh, exactly sin exactly however but you could have a child out of wedlock sure and then you know you could be on the hook for child support and that's another life that you have to support Sure. You could end up with an STD, which sometimes can which can often lead to death. Yeah. So it's it's just one of those sins that's just different in the way that it can impact your life. Yeah. One thing I've noticed as of lately is that we are becoming more and more a hypersexualized society. Oh yeah. I mean, it's not it's been around forever, sure. but it's just the level blatantly open yeah it's just in your face everything you see even and and what gets to me is that it's even starting to be pushed down to the children as well sure and we can go into that on a whole nother podcast a different podcast but it's just in your face and everything right a lot of a lot of influences i i think um i was watching uh some little movie review it was about the uh, the six latest movies that it came out and and they and they were saying that the one that would like had the lowest scoring uh on I guess the lowest scoring points on Rotten Tomatoes was the Mario Brothers movie that recently came out and 
The reason being was because it, it didn't push no kind of agenda. It, it, there wasn't no same sexual, same sex couples going on. Like it wasn't, it wasn't like it didn't have an agenda to it. So nobody thought it was really an interesting movie. When I guess in the end, it really was a great movie. Like if you listen, oh, it was good. Of, I, w- I went and watched it. I enjoyed that. Yeah. But what's crazy is like it has real low reviews because it doesn't push an agenda. Like the Little Mermaid pushes an agenda. Like um, all like all these 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 movies that are out right now that they they all have a an agenda to push. So yeah. it's like those are the those are the things that we go for. The, whatever's pushing the agenda. So I think with the sexual temptation, it's it's always been it's always been there. It's always been around, and I think that if you if if it if we get habitual in it, because a lot of times low self esteem and we looking for an affirmation for somebody else. But what's kind of crazy is like they have those HIV drugs. I can't think of the name of them. Mm-hmm. I think Dictarvi or something was is one of them that I've noticed. You you got Hulu because that seems to be an ad that's always popping up on the Hulu stream, man. Well, yeah, they have they it's it's basically. You can have HIV and you don't have to worry about giving it to your partner. So, and and if you think about that, if you read Romans one, it talks about the the sin that because they didn't glorify God as who He was, neither were they thankful. He turned them over to uh, to defiling themselves yes. with one another, and the consequences of that they're reaping in their flesh. So, like HIV would be to me a no, one of those number one things of in Romans chapter 1 mm. because the mm. it's basically the pride of life, right? Because the what pride says is I don't have to do it the way you say, God. I could do it however I want, right? That's mm-hmm. basically that's a, in your face to God. And oddly enough, gay gay pride is like the an agenda that every a lot of people push, but not only just gay people, but whoever is HIV positive is affected. And now, guys, guess what? You can now have sex again with 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 the normal person without worrying about infecting him. It's so, like they're removing all barriers to sex. Yeah. So it's like it, instead of finding out why HIV positive is like a judgment against everybody, it's like, hey guys, let's let's ind- indulge in it. Yeah. More. And and come on, man. I mean. When it comes, let's just say, sexual temptation is taking down nations. It's taking down the best of men. So no, nobody, man or woman, is immune from being tempted by sexual, by sexual things. And that's just something that, that's another part of the conversation that us as believers, we, we, we need to learn to have conversations about this and explaining why. Because I don't, I don't feel like it's helpful for us as Christians just be like, just don't do it. I mean, the cat's out of the bag. Somebody, I mean, Pandora's box has already been opened. How do we as believers open the doors to having those conversations? I'm not saying compromise against what scripture says, but how do we be open about it? Because I feel like it's within uh, church culture, it's taboo. Let me put it this way. Here was something as a father that I remember about having a conversation with my son about that. And he had to have been like fifth or sixth grade. And, uh, and we're driving. Uh, I forgot where we went, but we're driving on our way home. And my son says, hey, dad, what's porn? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, boy, mm-hmm. it's time. But I didn't shy away from, the, from it and just say, hey, son, uh, don't you ever look at it. I didn't want him to look at it. But I, but I took the time to say, you know what? 
son. Watching porn changes the way that you see women. Sure. It's not the natural. It's not. It's not realistic in the first place. But what it does is it destroys a man's uh, perspective on how to treat a woman and how to look at a woman. Desensitize. It desensitizes you. And so I did my best, of course, being age appropriate to explain to him like why it wasn't good, not just to tell him I better never catch you looking at that or I'll break your fingers and shut off all your devices. I wanted him to understand like why this is unhealthy and what path that leads to. And mm -hmm. think about that. He was in like fifth or sixth grade. Another temptation of the flesh, and this one is pretty, uh, this one's pretty interesting, man, and that's gluttony. Come on now. I am tempted by food. I am a food lover, bro. Sure. I love me some food, especially some good food. But here's some statistics that I looked up. It says obesity in the United States affects 100.1 million, that's 41.9% of adults, and 14.7 million, or 19.7% of children, and accounts for approximately $147 billion in annual health care costs. Wow. Uh, that's a problem. Right. Right? <laughs> and that's just in America alone. And come on now, food is delicious. I mean, these foodie scenes out here, even in Denver, man, the other day I was eating some Dave's spicy chicken, man. I love that stuff. I can eat a lot of it. But I think that it has to do with just in general of consumption. We want to just fill our palates, man. And I'm not here to say, hey, you know what? You're fat. Start working out. Stop eating less. But it is one of those temptations that you need to be mindful of and how you let it impact you. I mean, you know that the consequences of eating unhealthy um, can lead to different types of diseases sure. and all kinds of issues that you have with your body, the more so as you age. Mm. I mean, when you were younger, you could pretty much eat anything you wanted. Billy be Goat. Okay with it. Exactly. <laughs> but then you got to pay the piper eventually. Sure. Sure. I, I, your metabolism slows down. Um, sugar, you, you realize the enemy that it is to your body, man. Sugar just kind of... It's uh it wants to take you on a road down to where you don't want to go. So I think but everything looks everything that looks good isn't not necessarily good, right? Just like the fruit from the the garden, man, to Eve. He made it presented it as something that looked Come good, on. but it wasn't always good for for Eve or Adam or it's a lot of times it ain't good for us, but I do like some Cheesecake Factory, for sure, from time to time. Bro, chocolate's <laughs> my weakness, man. I do not have any self-control when it comes to chocolate, man. That's why I don't keep it in the house. Yeah. Man, if I had like a bowl of peanut M&Ms or some Lindor chocolates, yeah, I'd be sitting out there in a coma, for reals. I like that. Those uh, They're hard to find, but it's chocolate laced with pomegranate, man. I like those, man. They're like little balls. Mm -hmm. Got some pomegranate in it, man. It tastes pretty good. For me, it's that chocolate and hazelnut. There you go. I'm a big chocolate and hazelnut person, man. Oh, nice. right. Just thinking about that makes me want to eat again. I'm sure. going to go get some chocolate. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, that that's a that's a source of temptation, the food we eat. And then let's, let's touch base on the third temptation that we encounter, and that is Satan, the mm. deceiver. And in the garden, that we, we already talked about this, how Satan in the garden tempted Adam and Eve. 
but also Satan tempted Jesus. Mike, what do you think was the, how am I going to put this? The greatest temptation to Christ at the time? Yes. I would probably say hungry. So one of the gospels says um, that he was tempted, He that he was tempted, he was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted for 40, for 40 days. Could you and, imagine that? Yeah. And then, like, three of the Gospels say that basically on the four, it makes it seem like it's on the 40th day. After 40 days, the enemy came. So he waited, he waited him out, right? Mm-hmm. But, but one of the Gospels says that he was, that the Spirit led him to be tempted for 40 days. So I don't know if it, if, if the temptation came within all those 40 days in the last day, you know, he was still at it. Could have been, who knows? But I would definitely say the hunger for for sure being in the desert, man. Like that's hot and dry. And then I can't imagine. I, I mean, it's hard enough to fast food um, when you're when you got a job and you're working and everything. But imagine when you're in a climate where there's no there where water scarce and then food is scarce. So you take yourself out. So it's almost like he multiplied the temptation for him by getting him into a place where it was just brutally tough to fast. And that's where he went to go champion, right? Mm Mm-hmm. I forget which gospel talks about that, but it's like he also offered him the world. Sure. I would find that tempting as well. But Jesus already had the power, you know what I mean? Sure. He already owned it. It it, it astonished me because it's like, that was, when I read that in the Gospels, that was the first time I realized, like, the world is Satan's to give. Mm. Like, he was the ruler. Yeah, he never contested him. He, he didn't contest him about that. And so that, that puts a different spin on the culture that we live in and the world that we live in. It's almost like it's supposed to be that way mm. because it is. he's the ruler of everything. Talking about those three sources of temptation really puts everything in perspective. But I want to I want to circle back, Mike, to the to the story of Cain and Abel. Let's dive in and dissect. Sin is crouching at your door, and it's spoken by God to Cain after he becomes jealous and angry with his brother and kills him. The phrase means that temptation and wrongdoing are lurking nearby, waiting for an opportunity to strike. It's a warning to be vigilant and resist temptation or else you're going to succumb to sin and suffer the consequences of it. In that story, sin is described as something like a predator lying in wait to pounce on you. While Cain knew what to do when it came to the offerings, the temptation was pulling him in a different direction, right? I also want to talk about Galatians chapter 5, 16 and 17, where it says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. And that kind of really, to me, supports like sin crouching at the door. Because your flesh is always wanting to do the things that are contrary Mm. to the spirit. It's probably because it seems like in the day that Adam sinned the ground for, I guess, producing the fruit. Every It was like everybody who was involved in the sin got a judgment on them. 
mm-hmm. the the Eve, Adam, so the ma- mankind who was ruling, then the serpent, and then the the ground, right, <laughs> for producing the fruit. <laughs> what did I do? They just ate me. <laughs> well, I think because basically Adam was the ground come to life. Right, true, so, true. So he was the ground. Uh, um, how would I say uh, personified? He was like the ground personified. God's looking at the ground like you're gonna get it too. Yeah, that's where you came from, man. Uh-huh. So he, so he said from from here on out, you had it where I planted a garden for you and I produced the trees and everything. And the Bible almost paints a picture like everything outside of the garden was like this barren wasteland. It doesn't really talk about it. it, it so er, everything outside of Eden. All of a sudden, now he had to go struggle inside the barren wasteland, and the and the ground was cursed, and it, and so now he had to really fight with the ground for it to produce for him. Like mm-hmm. basically, he had to toil. Thanks, Adam. Yeah. So in the day that that the ground was was cursed, it's like sin became. Um, let me think about this. I was in the traffic jam today, and. And the thing, because I knew I was driving over here to talk about sin, I was coming down Highway 36, and if ever, anybody's ever came down Highway 36 around 5, heading from Boulder to Denver, boy, it's something else over there. Mm-mm. I noticed that there was this guy who was, um, it's like uh, it's almost like he didn't want somebody tailgating him, so he slammed his brakes, right? So he didn't, so all the traffic is trying to rush, everybody's in a hurry to get home, Nobody wants to wait, and you got this whole highway of people who that don't want to wait. So the guy who, so this this one guy didn't seem like he didn't want this guy on him. So he slammed his brakes, and that guy behind him, who was tail, of course tailgating him, going too fast, slammed into him, rear-ended him. The guy behind him rear-ended him. The guy behind them rear-ended them. Oh, man. Right? So the next thing you know, there's like. 14 cars in a row they all rammed into each other because they got they got this like wind of like like they got this like uh how would i say they got this it's like a domino effect huh? yeah but yeah they got this 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 bit of speed where they were are all of a sudden like heading towards wadsworth and they were like they are all of a sudden we're getting up and the one guy in the front just like his what he did affected everybody behind him probably i i would say at least 12 cars long that's that all you guys got caught in that ran into each other well i got in the hov lane after i seen all that <laughs> but i wonder what the heck's going on and i seen everybody else was moving but the one guy and i'm like man everybody else was moving away so i'm pretty sure that he slammed his brakes or wasn't paying attention probably a lot of times looking at their cell phone what i do want to go back to is with the sin and crouching at your door is because a lot of times the sins that we do today affect the generations tomorrow didn't didn't mm. the lord say in deuteronomy that uh, um that it would be like it was like four generations right that you were like the the sins of the father to their to the son to the second to the third to the fourth gen it's like four generations in one family that yep. it would affect by the one sin that you did and as i was contemplating about that guy in the car accident i thought did he realize how many lives he was going to affect by slamming on the brakes oh that's deep do you know what that's i'm saying deep. yeah yeah, yeah. I, I was like as i was driving down the highway it, i was just thinking uh, my mindset was thinking about how we're going to talk about sin and i thought 
that's the witness right there man of how how what the effects of sin to us i don't think that adam thought how many that that in this day and age that his his sons and daughters were going to be thinking that they were daughters and daughters with each other and sons and sons with each other and and sons with 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 grandkids with the with his grandkids with each other i don't think he ever seen that personified by eating one fruit i don't think he ever thought to himself this is how cut how chaotic it's going to get from you take eating the one fruit adam you know Mm. So, I mean, I feel like that, but that's what sin does. And so when I think about my life, like I've been through one divorce, right? And not only that, I had kids at a young age. So I have a couple of kids like out of wedlock. And so those families are affected by me being absent. Then my kids, I mean, I wasn't definitely in their life, but because I wasn't with their mother, I used to be around their mother every single day and I was raising them up. But then afterwards, when I wasn't, when, when me and their mom were just going like pride heads of who's going to run the relationship and who's not going to give in and who's going to bow down to who. And as I think about, I look at my kids now and they're starting their cycles of going through their significant others and then their significant others not being able to keep the relationship together. And I didn't think at the time that my submission to my wife that at the time right i didn't know that it would cause this like domino effect that now that my kids are growing up and probably to their kids right it's i didn't think about how that was going to affect everybody the decisions i was making on the day-to-day basis but now i'm really thinking about it because leading recovery road and having a lot of people following and trying to show people this way of the kingdom and showing them how it works and show them how efficient the Lord is when you let him run your and rule your life. And, and so I'm thinking to myself, I can't fail because I got all these people behind me thinking like that, that doesn't work, you know? So it has to always work. So like, it's like my drive now, but, it, but it wasn't always that way. And I wish that it was, I wish I were, I wish I was raised in the perfect house where I went to Sunday school all the time. And when I came home, my parents were the same people at church as they were at home, but I didn't have that life, you know? And, mm-hmm. and now I guess I don't want to look at my life and look at a bunch of regret. I have it, but I don't want to focus on that because Jesus said, like, put your mind like on thing on, on on not on earth, but on heavenly things where Christ dwells, right? That's yeah. like he said that through Paul, and that's where he wants our mind to it's the great bait and switch. Like if you if you want to know how to escape temptation, right? Or you want to know how to ex- escape depression, anxiety, right? It's always getting your mind, it's like a rewinding loop. And when temptation hits, a lot of the times it's because we're we're starved for love, we're starved for affirmation, right? And we and we 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 think that whatever we're 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 doing, we're we're trying to feed it, but looking for for affirmation from another sex, or we're looking for affirmation from the TV or self pleasure, whatever we're doing, we're trying to affirm ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. And and I feel like God already affirms us and thinking about all the things that Christ went through on our behalf, 
right? And, and, and how he never changed, right? So even when he's on the cross, he's still being Jesus. He's still, he's, he's still caring for people. He's caring for his mom. He's caring for the thieves on the side of him, right? He's still Jesus. Like it never, even though he's beaten, betrayed, deprivation, right? Beard pulled. He's a bloody pulp, mm. right? And he's still Jesus through all that stuff. And, I mean, you think you had a bad day and you got to give in to temptation, man. He just he just was himself, like continuously. All the way through it. Yep. And learning to portal him in all the time. I feel like that he portal God in constantly. You know, that's he was just a manifestation of flesh that portal God in all the time, right? He was the original son of God, but he was the porthole for God to come in and out of, right? All the time. But it was just like God never really... He, you can't separate him from God, but I just know that it, it's like the godliness never stopped ceasing to happen because the flesh was there. So I think that example could be true in us. That's the only reason he came to die on the cross, to show us the way, right? Yep. And all it takes is for us to confess our sins to him. And I do like what Psalm 32, 5 says. It says, oh, I, I acknowledge my sin to you, mm. and I did not cover my iniquity I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you will forgive the iniquity of my sin. Hmm. And that is the starting point. And with that being said, let's take a break, and then let's come back, and we're going to wrap things up. All right. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in the newness of life. That's Romans chapter 6, verse 1 through 5. Well said. And that sets us up for our final topic of the day. And this is about sinning less. And as believers, we will never live a life without sin. Okay? It is our relationship with Jesus and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that gives us the ability to sin less in our lives. Let me say that again. It is our relationship with Jesus and through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that gives us the ability to sin less in our lives. Look, I understand that, you know, after the altar call, when you become a Christian and you accept Jesus into your life, you tend to think like, hey, you know what? I've done it. Like, I am now a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm done with all the sin stuff. But it doesn't go away. Mm. And the mark of a believer is not that you are going to go through life without ever sinning it is that because you are a believer and you are staying connected to the vine that you begin to sin less as you grow in maturity with christ mike don't you find it interesting and this is what has highlighted it to me um and it's also coming across different groups right and recovery road is a good example of this because it's like i find it interesting that you know the most dialed in and mature christians that i come across or those who have gone through the fire and they developed a, a sort of like a tolerant 
not not a tolerance, but Lord, like like they they don't want to. Yeah, they don't want to tolerate the sin that destroyed their lives. Mm. So it's like they hate the sin because they understand the power of the sin, and they're the ones who are like the most. I want to say like, and when I mean by mature, it's like they're 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 more forgiving, they're more understanding, they're not so judgmental because they've been through the fire. And then sure. when I look at a guy, a bunch of guys like in Recovery Road, like you see there, you walk in there and you think it's like a reformed gangster convention. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> sure. But then again, you start meeting some of the guys in there and you find that some of them are just like gentle giants. You know what I mean? And some of them have this have this spirit where you're like, man, that's that's a mark of somebody who's been through the fire and has accumulated wisdom from what they've gone through. Not everybody, right? We, that's not true for everybody. But there's certain people where you can just see like they hate the sin in their lives and they hate it in others, which is which has enhanced their relationship with the Lord. I'm not sure if I'm making sense there. Sure. But it's I get it's it. just one of those things to me where I would see like certain people just have that because they've been through the fire. Right. It's like he was talking about um two people who were forgiven debts. Right. So one had a great big sum of debt and one had a, like a smaller debt. And he said, who do you think is the one who is like the most thankful? And he said, probably the one who would, the one with the most debt. Yeah. You know, he, because he knew he had a lot on his plate. So I, I think that's what you're getting, you're getting to. Somebody who's been forgiven of much has a lot of forgiveness to offer. Right. I guess. Right. right. Or somebody who re- recognizes the grace of God upon their life uh, knows how to convey. Give it to others. Yes. Yeah. They convey the grace others. out. Yeah. Yeah. Or dish it out, right? So I feel like the more that I'm learning in the scriptures, the more I'm coming to find out that a lot of times you're the answer or, or the manifestation of your own prayer. You know, when so when you're when you're asking the Lord on somebody's behalf, your your how you can help them, what you can do to how would I say uh, further the kingdom in somebody else's life, I feel like he gives you the suggestions like you're available for them through whatever that is. They need financial help. They need, you know, coaching. They need um, somebody to take their kids to the the game or whatever it is, right? It's just you, you, you become the answer to them. And I feel like the, the in the same way the kingdom of god when people need grace you you become that you, it's like you're the manifestation of somebody's prayer on earth not necessarily jesus christ in the flesh but you have jesus christ in your flesh and that the the, the jesus christ that's in your flesh is moved mm-hmm. to wanting to still help people hold people i i don't necessarily have i've never had hot hands I, I can't ever say that I I put hands on somebody and they uh, strep throat went away or uh, hot hands. Yeah, I I I'm just I don't I I've never had that I've never had that to this point. Mm-hmm. I've never had that gifting. But you know what the Lord has gifted me with is helping people with with their mindsets and healing through renewing the mind. Yes. So I've definitely got that gift where I can help heal people through the words I'm speaking to them to help them open their mind and convey new ideas that are from the from the scriptures that are it's kingdom mindedness like it, so if you have doubt and worry 
right? And I'm and I'm getting you to focus more on the gifting that you have because a lot of times people don't even know their own gifts. And I could be around people for I don't know forty five minutes or an hour, and and I and I could tell you just that by the things that they are saying or aren't saying, how they're acting. I can I I can kind of see what kind of gifts they have. You know, I'm not. I'm not like the gift expert or anything, but I'm just saying you could you tell on yourself by the things you do or you don't do and the, by the things you say. So I can kind of I can notice like gifts. So I I hone in on trying to get people to to manifest their gifts and um walk in them, to develop their gifting, mm. to get their mind off of what what is ailing them and troubling them because they're just rewinding some kind of negative thoughts and, and they, they keep rehearsing, rewinding it, thinking about it. And then, and you know, they they regurgitate it over and over again. And that's why they're full of bitterness and they gave the enemy a stronghold in their life because they just, they wouldn't let go of something. And so my healing gifts come from, opening up your mind again you to think new about it or have a new fresh way of approaching it right i always like to say this a dog barks because that's in his nature a cat meows because that's in his nature a fish swims even though in it it, it 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 just naturally does it you know nobody has to teach it it does it by its own nature you are the sons of god and being like god ought to come naturally you know it's part of your nature right (laughs) amen amen i just hope that the audience listening like that you don't fool yourselves by thinking that just because you accepted jesus into your heart that all your sin in your life will now free from you and go pick on your neighbors sure you know what i'm saying because it's always gonna be that internal struggle we're 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 stuck in this spiritual warfare just by nature of proximity and relationship with Jesus. Sure. And so we have to learn to guard our hearts because sin is crouching at your door, yeah. waiting for you to slip up. And one of the areas where folks tend to slip up most is not reading your word. Ooh. Not spending time with God. I love uh, in Psalms 119, um, verse 11, where it says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I mm. praise you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. I have recited aloud all the regulations you have given us. And when we do not read or meditate on God's word, it's like we leave that door open. And I was listening to, on that video that I sent you. Uh, I was watching uh, I was watching this video by Paul Walker. And I love this analogy, or should I say this Washington. correlation, did I say Walker? Yeah. Oh, I mean, I'm sorry. My bad. Paul Washer. <laughs> Paul Washer. He, he's an awesome theologian. Yeah. Man. I, yeah. I dig that guy. I like how passionate he is about the gospel. But he gave this correlation about staying in your word and feeding ourselves. And I love how he put it. So let's say that um, you wake up tomorrow. Sure. Okay. And you skip breakfast. It's no big deal, right? You're able mm-hmm. to go without it. Okay, and you're going about your day and then you you find yourself distracted. Things are going on. You might have a work project that's going on. You end up skipping lunch as well. But then and this is for all you who are non fasters out there. Right. Mm. So you skip lunch, too. But what happens? Your body starts saying, hey, ding, ding, ding. I'm hungry. I need some fuel. And you don't get that fuel in you. 
okay and so then you start feeling like you're losing out on a little bit of energy because you ain't got that fuel going in you and when you start losing out on your energy you start getting a little bit moody maybe start being short with folks but then the day keeps rolling and it keeps getting busier and busier you haven't eaten anything since the morning and then you end up skipping dinner and by then you're just hangry you find yourself getting short with somebody it could be your wife it could be your co-workers it could be the person who cut you off in traffic mm. but then that's when the temptation right because then you've opened the door because you haven't been connected with the fuel and 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 then your state changes and you become easily influenced and that's what it's like when you go without reading your word i know in my life i i know when i'm not connected to the vine because there's something about me that starts falling back into the habits and the mindset and the thinking of the old man mm. and it starts creeping up and if i am not connected to the vine or plugged in those suggestions the temptations that we talked about all start to to, to just start pushing their way through the door and and for and that could be as simple as you know what i didn't need all day and i'm going straight to mcdonald's or i'm going for straight for, for whatever's gonna quickly satisfy my needs and for other folks that could lead you to the temptation of watching porn it could lead you to a temptation to, to go out and have that dream sure. right because you've been starving yourself sure you're empowering the flesh you're empowering the flesh makes makes sense to me i was gonna say that there's this uh, awesome bible teacher john barnett that i listened to and uh he was like john MacArthur's like right hand man for years and years but man that brother he rips a word crazy but when he's when the when the bible talks about the the satan like he wants to devour you right mm -hmm. so what does a devoured christian look like this is like what john barnett says it's somebody who won't open their bible like that's it's a christian who won't open their bible they don't want to pray right they're their belief, the belief of their being saved is their is basically their only hope because they don't grow. That's what happens when Satan devours a Christian. They he he makes him think that the security of the believer is simply just that you confessed Christ at one point in your life, but there's no power in your walk. That right? deep. He took deep. the power away from you, man. So I think it's Ephesians chapter five talks about neither give uh what what does it say be angry and sin not neither let the sun go down on your wrath or give place to the devil that word that greek word topos i've studied that man and it's giving him real estate it's basically allowing him places in your life and some sometimes the devil looks like i guess the red cape and the like the sam smith looking thing at the uh, whatever <laughs> the was that was got yeah, grammy award with the red top hat and whatever you know sometimes the devil looks like that but for the most part he looks like an angel of light i think he packages himself I so agree. good he speaks christianese he right and and he makes you think that you know what you're 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 a believer you know you're 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 saved by Jesus. Like you don't need to pick up that word. Like you you already know that stuff, man. You you learn that you, you know yes, Jesus loves me from Sunday school, mm -hmm. you know, and, and all you gotta do is is carry your belief into the kingdom. It's gonna save you, you know. And and meanwhile, you you have a whole brand new spirit in you, but you got the same old mind, you got the same old mind inside of you, you got the same old soul. It's repurposing that soul into 
give you're basically forcing it into the kingdom realm you're forcing it to do the kingdom things too when you're when people w- w- want to uh flip you off it wants you to the the kingdom says to love on them so you're teaching that flesh you know what it's not about how much i can lift or how much weights i can do or how how hard my punch is or how high i can kick or you know how fast i can shoot a gun or pull it out and shoot it it's it's all about how how much when i'm under pressure or under duress can i bring the kingdom right Amen. so that's what it's like the renewed mind wants to bring the kingdom no matter what and especially when you get situations that are volatile like you want the kingdom in that situation because the kingdom of god is 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 is, is where god dominates right it's god has the subjects in the kingdom whoever's in his kingdom they're his subjects and he's the king over their every situation so be living inside the kingdom you want the kingdom especially when situations are volatile because you want you you want god in all that you don't want place of safety yeah you don't want to go do 50 years or something you know over a bad decision because somebody looked at you crazy and then turned into words and turned into sideswiping somebody which well, don't you feel like shame plays a part in that Sure. I feel like shame is the separator, the guilt and the shame. Because when you are walking in sin and you're not reading your word, we tend to feel guilty about that, which, sure. which creates more separation. Yeah. And distance. That's what that's what when he came looking for Adam in the garden, right? In yeah. The cool, cool of the day, and he was like, "Adam, Adam, where are you?" And usually he could find him, but this particular time he was hiding, and he said, "I'm naked, Lord." Right. And he's like, how did you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, who told you you're naked? But first of all, I just wanted, I just want to see you, you know, but, yep. <laughs> but now you're, you're, now you're hiding and all of a sudden this is the issue that you're naked, yep. you know? And I think that's a, that, that's one area that, that we can all learn to face up to and to deal with is that when you are tempted and you do fall is to acknowledge that as opposed to allowing the shame to enter and and open the door for yes. the, for the enemy to creep in. And another way that we can deal with this, and and this one I really love because this is this is part of what Mike was talking about as well is, and it's found in Second Corinthians chapter ten verses three through five, and it says, "For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, mm. and take every thought." captive to obey Christ for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh but we have divine power to destroy strongholds mm. it is in you as believer. as a believer that yes. that is one of your weapons and and when those thoughts and those temptations that we've been talking about they come to you you can read the word just as Jesus stated mm. right yeah. the word says Sure. The man shall not. Thus saith the Lord. Right. That's our weapon. And when those intrusive thoughts start entering your mind, thus saith the Lord. Part of that spiritual training is spending time meditating in the word Mm. because you can't speak out that which is not in you. Amen. It has to be in you. And the more you get it in you, the easier it is for you to take those thoughts and hold them captive. Yeah. The amazing thing is Jesus said that the spirit will bring all things to remembrance. Mm-hmm. But you know what? How could what could it it has to have something to remember? 
So you, the only way you, it's going to remember is um, it, it's like a coalition together, right? Like you, he's going to help you fight. He's going to bring the the word to to your to your remembrance. Mm-hmm. But you have to already have put the word inside of you for him to bring it out. Exactly. So he's like he's there, ready for you to tag him in. But he, but if you don't get any word inside of you, you know how. How is he going to bring that to remembrance? Exactly, exactly. And if all else fails, the next one you can do is be like Joseph and run. Yeah. Run. Get away from the sin that is coming into your life. There's nothing wrong with that. And the other one, and the last one I want to talk about is something that is very difficult for folks. And that is stop going around the the tempting places or the people that God has delivered Mm -hmm. you from. For some of you... Stop going to the bar. Right. You know what? You're a new creature. You have no business being there. Yeah. Even if it is your family that's up in there drinking. Your best friends are doing that or in there. Stay away from it because sin is at your door. Amen. And you you also have to remember that the uh territories, right? So every parcel of ground I feel like is you're either if you ain't taking it over for Christ, then it probably has somebody who has it taken over, and it's nothing godly. So, uh, if so, if you think about bars and like places that have a whole lot of bars together and stuff like that, like there are certain parts of the city that I could think of that where if you if you if you're trying to go get some some drugs, preferably white powdery or hardened, uh-huh. <laughs> right? Some hardened rocks. There, there's there's some neighborhoods where you could pretty much go a- a- access it easily. Yep. And that's because somebody already took over that territory. So there's somebody who... So the, the, the crazy thing about the enemy is I don't believe so much that he wants to kill you if you're uh, his puppet. Because you you keep bring you keep glorifying him. You're an ambassador. Yeah, you keep glorifying him by the by the things you're doing, by the things you're saying. Like he wants as much good. Like for some reason, glorying empowers us. And if you think about just as humans together, what like when you're um, I guess in high school and you're running for, or maybe you never ran for it, but say you're trying to get into DECA or. You're trying to be the class president or the class vice president or whatever, you know, the senior president of the of the high school. Right. How empowering is that when you got a whole bunch of people on your side wanting you to fulfill a role, wanting you to have a position, wanting they're they're basically when they're glorifying you by holding your picture, having your name up, supporting it's, you. Yeah. yeah. As they support you, it glorifies you, which empowers you, right? It, a lot of times those people who, who are the prom king and the prom queen, they sometimes they go places, sometimes they don't, right? But I'm just saying the empowerment that it brings to one person, imagine that. So if, so if you could think about it spiritually, right? Uh, um, Every every deity that is being worshipped by empowerment, right? So they're it's basically giving them more power to do more, right? Mm-hmm. When the more people who are following them in the ancient days, whoever you worshipped, you basically were giving them the keys to possess your body, right? And so we want the Lord to possess our body. 
through the Holy Spirit, we don't want the unholy things possessing us by doing the unholy things, yeah, right? by yeah. glorifying them. So yeah. I think just watch out for the, the territories you're going to. So it's not only just the, the environment you're going into, it's the spiritual atmosphere because those people are going to that place because they're not only under the influence of alcohol, but they're under the influence of spirits. You yeah, know? <laughs> that, that's part of being a believer. We have we have those we have to be aware that there's there's a flesh battle and there's a spiritual battle. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's going on. And that is one of the hardest things to do though, Mike. For a lot of us who came out of the party scene, sure. That was our identity. That was our I, social circle. That was everything we did for for however many years that we were involved in that. And just to one day decide that hey, I got to leave all this. That means I'm disconnecting from friend groups yeah sometimes support groups sure and 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 worst case you know it's also family right and and that's a hard thing to do but god replaces them with other people oh my so you're never left alone yes and 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 sooner or later that too like all things shall pass it gets easier as time goes along and some of you are afraid to be alone we understand that. That's happened to all of us. Sure. When, when, when God comes in and shakes things up and causes that kind of change in your life, mm. he doesn't leave you hanging for very long. But you ha- also have to play your part in all of it. Mm. How could I have fun without being intoxicated? I, I didn't think that was possible, <laughs> Mike, for real, for a long time. Like, I, I was think I always, and, and I'm going to confess, I always thought Christians were the most boring people. I feel like I've robbed myself of some good friendships because I thought that if I would be around this group of people, that it would just be boring. Mm. And and I couldn't see that. I, I wasn't able to make the association that followers of Jesus, or or should I say the church, the body of Christ, sure. we're all sinners. Mm. Right? Some of us just sin less. Right. But we're all changed and being transformed. I'm no better than them. They're at the end of the day, they are people still. Sure. And and hey, we have fun when we get together and we don't have to drink or smoke. Right. And you can do it. But first you have to to allow God to to make those changes in your heart. And you have to be open to meeting new people. Just in the same manner that you that you got caught up in the group that you got caught up in when you were doing the wrong things and everything that Mike just talked about about having that empowering supporting group with you that's equally life-changing. Mm, right. So we so we have not only negative influences but positive influences. Exactly. We just invite you to find a find the church family, man. If you mm-hmm. If you're in the Federal Heights area, Thrive Church, man, I can't, I can't see enough of, out. of that body, man. Like, but wherever you're at, I mean, it doesn't have to be there. It, it, you could be in Oklahoma, um, Nebraska, New Mexico, Nevada, California, wherever you're listening to this podcast from, and look for a good body of believers, man. People who genuinely love you right i guess they would have to be followers of the word because that's that's definitely how how you get jesus in you jesus is the word of god that came manifested in the flesh finding people who are following good some good mm-hmm. bible believing support groups who yep. who b- believe in the apostles creed you know that that i mean that i can't i can't emphasize enough how important it is that you use your giftings 
that you God has given to you, placed in you since you were before the foundation of the earth to edify and glorify the body. And if you ain't using those gifts, you're probably spinning your wheel somewhere, mm -hmm. you know, because that's that's what you're created for. Yep, and when you're operating in the gifts, it's a good thing. Amen. And when you got people supporting you and helping you develop those gifts, yep. when you have that that support group with you, uh, there's joy in that. There's sure. peace in that. You know that, you know, am I my brother's keeper? Yes, I am. You know mm -hmm. that they got you. You know that you have somebody who's praying over your well-being and your family and your children, so on and so forth. Mm. It is a different type of love. And with that being said, um, Mike, do you have any last finishing words before we close out? Um, I was gonna I was gonna say there's just this, but um I was reading this week in Matthew chapter 25 about uh, good and about the good and faithful servant, right? They t uh, there's a parable about the the bags of money, I think at the toward the end of the Matthew chapter 25, and it talks about that the the ones who did good with their master's stuff, they stewarded it well, that he told them, well done, good and faithful servant enter into the joy of your master right and i feel like we always think that scripture is basically this is what they tell you when you're when you got your golden gate pass to heaven like you you made you made it through the great white judgment you know like here you go, you go enter into but really that's not that it's just that when you've joined the mission of your master and you and you learn what it's like to fulfill his needs Right, like you're doing good with the stuff he gave you, and all of a sudden entering into the joy of your master isn't after I die. It's happening right now, but it's when Amen. I'm fulfilling what he has called me to do. I'm, I joined the mission with him, and now I'm entering the same joy he has with it. So I would just like to say that I would leave that with you guys, and um, I like to say, family, it's been our pleasure once again. For you to join us for this hour and 15 20 or 30 whatever 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 we have this week. yep yep we're, it's been our pleasure to just join you one more time guys i hope that whatever we're doing we're edifying you man and in the name of jesus i pray that this podcast goes out and edifies his name i i pray that it, it touches hearts and lives and helps you to understand why sin works inside of us and why it's our enemy and why do we don't want to give place to the devil why we want to give more place to god than anything else amen and if you've been following us and would like to support this podcast please leave us a review on spotify or whatever platform you're listening to this podcast on we also have a page on facebook and instagram where you can tap in for some of the kingdom clips and encouragement and most importantly just like Mike said, we do this for the lost ones, mm -hmm. that they may be pointed to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. So please share with someone you know who can benefit from this conversation. So with that being said, keep it kingdom and join us on the next episode for some kingdom level conversations. Mm -hmm. I'm Mike V. I'm David. <laughs> kingdom Misfits. We'll see you next time. Amen.